when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players, you have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. <laughs> Go Raider Nation, and welcome to Just Pod Baby with your host, Evan Grote, your home for Raiders news, notes, and information. You can follow me on Twitter at egrote 5 and you can check out more of my work over at silverandblackpride.com. Well, I figured Raider Nation would be in need of some group therapy tonight. I know that I need to, uh, to talk it out a little bit. This is going to be good for me to be able to get behind the mic and and get some of these thoughts out, uh, get some of these things off my chest. So later in the show, we're going to be doing it a little bit different tonight. I've got three guests lined up for you. Um, again, I think we could use a little group therapy. So I reached out to a couple of uh, people who I, I know are big fans of the Raiders and who have a lot a lot of thoughts on the topic. Um, and I just felt like we could we could be there to kind of support each other and help each other get through this this time here, um, you know, the Raiders are dealing with, with all this Antonio Brown drama. The guest list does include Jose Sanchez from Just Blog Baby, my my buddy Nick Jeltness, and Scott Gilbranson, host of the Silver and Black Today show on CBS Sports Radio. Well, after a summer filled with drama and uncertainty and, and more drama, Antonio Brown is officially no longer a member of the Oakland Raiders. On Saturday afternoon, the Raiders announced that they had released Brown and voided all of his guaranteed money, ending his time as a Raider before it really even began. Now listen, I'm 35 years old and I've been watching my sports, or I've been watching sports my entire life and I know that's not a extremely long time, but this is by far the most bizarre thing I have ever experienced as a sports fan. Um, what we have witnessed the last five or six weeks, uh, we may never see again. And I don't want to be overly dramatic, but this was just uh, extremely bizarre behavior, uh, extremely irrational behavior from an individual who, who I believe, um, you know, has some some serious issues going on in his life that um, some serious demons in his life that he needs to deal with. Um, I still don't know exactly how to feel. You know, on Twitter the other day, I put out. Uh, a tweet saying I wasn't sure exactly how I was supposed to feel. You know, I'm happy that uh, that this that this saga is now over, that this drama is now behind us, that I won't wake up tomorrow morning and have to uh, see an update on my phone about Antonio Brown posting a video uh, recording a phone call uh, that he had with his coach. At the same time, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm disappointed. Um, but again, I am happy that this distraction is no longer um, a part of the team. And, and now the other 52 guys in that locker room can finally focus on football and just doing their jobs. Um, again, on the other hand, part of me is extremely disappointed that this didn't work out. Um, it, as much as I 
was against this or, or cautiously optimistic um, with this move, um, I, I was excited to see how the dynamic of this offense, how, how dynamic it could be with such a weapon like Antonio Brown. Um, I mean, what fan doesn't want one of the best receivers in football on their team? I was very much looking forward to seeing what Derek Carr could do with such an elite talent. Uh, but unfortunately, those are things we just we just will never see. We we will we'll never know uh, what what that could have been. Um, so that really makes me that makes me mad. Um, now I want to go back several months here to when this trade all went down. And again, I don't want to keep saying this and keep pointing this out, but I was never really sold on the idea of bringing in a player with his type of baggage to this locker room. We've heard Gruden and Mayock preach character all off season. It was an emphasis in the draft, and I think they did a very good job of that. But then you go out and sign Antonio Brown and Richie Incognito, and I get it. Trun- uh, talent trumps everything in some cases, and and I understand that. I understand. I've I've heard several coaches come out and say that. Um, you treat certain players differently. Players with a resume, they get a longer leash. I totally understand that. But look at what happened. Antonio Brown created an absolute circus uh, of the Raiders for the past six weeks. You know, and, and my question now that I, that I pose to you, the listener, is is how does this affect the team going forward? You know, that that's yet to be seen. We're going to find out soon enough. Uh, because games get underway uh, this week, okay, this weekend. And the Raiders, as you know, play Monday night against Denver, a big division rival. Um, so we'll see. We'll see um, how this affects the team. I'm, I'm hoping that this will rally the entire organization. And um, they'll, they'll play inspired football on Monday night. That's really what I'm hoping. But, um, you know, that, that'll be... That's yet to be seen. Now, I've seen, uh, I saw many people weigh in uh, throughout the day on their thoughts. I, I spent a lot of time on Twitter today uh, reading different people's uh, opinions on this, and, and some of them were funny, and, and some of them I disagreed with, and some of, a lot of them I agreed with. But there was one in particular that really uh, stuck with me, and that was from Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy put out a tweet, um, and I'm going to read you the tweet if you didn't hear it. Um, and, and what Dungy said was, I feel sorry for Antonio Brown. He's been blessed with an amazing talent, but he's lost track of the fact that football is a team game. So is life. He thinks he's the victim, but he's missing out on the real joys that comes from being part of a team. He'll be the big loser in the end. And to me, that's really what the sad part in all of this is. is you know, Brown is so talented. I mean, he he is one of the greatest receivers we've ever seen. We we there's no denying that. Um we all know and we all appreciate his story, his rise to the top being a 6th round pick out of um a small school like Central Michigan and and all the work that he's put in to get where he is today and he deserves all of, all of that success that he has today. But all of that fame and all of that money and all of that success, it, it, it's turned him into a narcissistic monster. And I just, I've never seen 
a player who is more selfish and cares only for himself in a game that is everything about team. So that's really what is sad to see. Um, you know, as a fan of the game and you know, as a human being, you know, you never want to see someone's demise. Um, you want to see people on top, but that's just not what's happening with Antonio Brown here. Um, and, and unfortunately, he's just he's unraveling before our eyes. Um, in the short term, this you know it sucks. It does. Um, like I said, I was I was excited to see what he would bring to this offense, uh, what he could do for Carr, but you know, in the long term, this this was the best thing for the Raiders. Don't get me wrong. I I am I am very happy that this move was made. That he is no longer with this team. There's no doubt about it. There was a, a precedent was set that this organization will support you. They will give you a second chance when it's warranted. But they also sent the message today that nobody is bigger than the team. And that is the one thing that Antonio Brown was never able to understand during his short time as an Oakland Raider. Now, after this quick break, um, I'm going to be uh, playing uh, the first of my three guest uh, interviews uh, as part of our group therapy session here on Just Pod Baby. On the line with me is Jose Sanchez. Jose is a contributor uh, for Just Blog Baby. He's also, he co-hosts uh, his own podcast, Fly Sweet Podcast. Jose, how you doing tonight? I'm doing swell this evening, my man. Evan, what's up with you? <laughs> I'm not bad. I'm just trying to wrap my head around all this this AB drama, and and uh, I'm in need of some group therapy here. So that's why I decided. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I decided to uh, get a few different guests on the podcast tonight. Um, as you know, it's been several hours now since the release uh, of of Antonio Brown. Um, he's now signed with the Patriots, and uh, as many of us joked, would happen. Um, can you try to explain to me kind of like where your head is at right now with all of this? Have you had time to kind of digest and, and what are some of your thoughts? Well, first thought, when you mentioned that it's been about seven hours, it feels so much longer than that. I'll say, I mean, <laughs> with how much this drama has gone on week after week, month after month, I mean, this felt destined to happen. I mean, let's just be real about it. I mean, the guy was hardly a Raider. And it was just constant headliner after headliner. And we wonder why the Raiders are always viewed in such a negative light. I mean, I was never an advocate for the trade in the first place. I accepted it after they got him for a time, which seemed like just nickels and dimes for a third and a fifth round pick. But now that he's not there, that third and fifth round pick at our draft capitals, I know it's not super high but that's still some capital that you're losing to build for a future and it's just now with this trade man for ab it's just making it look so much worse on gruden as him leading a leading being the personnel man it's just there's no way you can just wrap your head around it just trying to have faith in what this guy is doing anymore it feels like 
Yeah, and I'm going to get to um, a little bit more on that in just a second. But you know, I went back and I was on your Twitter, and I and I went back and purposely I wanted to get your uh, opinion on on you know the trade when it first went down, and and I did see that you put out an article, I believe, for JBB back in February with your three reasons why you know the Raiders need to resist the temptation of Antonio Brown. So I know that you and I were definitely in an agreement uh, when this trade first went down. I also was was you know not a fan of it. I, I, the words that I used was, was cautiously optimistic that maybe, you know, he would get his act together mm-hmm. and, and, and a fresh start, you know, is what he needed. But obviously um, the concerns that we had about bringing him in came true. And, uh, but did you ever think that it would go down like this? I mean, is this not the most bizarre five or six weeks that you can ever recall as a Raider fan? You, you talked about how it, it seemed like, you know, not seven hours, but it, it seems like seven years that, you know, it just seems like this has been such a long drawn out process. Did you ever see it going down like this? Oh man, it, there's, there's no way you could envision this. I mean, even for the fans and even media persons alike saying, the Raiders knew what they were getting. Well, of course they knew the type of drama queen they were getting, but no one could have foresaw the type of drama that this guy was bringing. Like, it was such a special type that you have never seen before. I mean, Rich Eisen, for crying out loud, tweeted that in his 16 years or however long he, he has been working in this industry, of being in the football media, he has never heard of a story like this having your feet blisters. I understand that was injury. Not, not really a big deal. And the helmet issue, the only person in the NFL who was complaining about it, missing practice, hurting the team. And then he does this flipping out on Wednesday on Mayock and all this stuff and everything. It's just no, hell no. Anyone who really thinks that, Oh yeah, they should, they should have known. Like, no, you, you did not expect it was gonna be like this. You did not expect it was going to be, instantly before he even took a freaking snap that's the craziest part like all this happened like you just said within five weeks like are you serious i mean this this is, this is crazy i mean i know people are going to want to be positive it's fine that's good have that outlet for yourself and just just focus on the future because this guy is a head case glad he's out of the ranks but let's just call it for what it is read the cards that are on the table this is not a good look for the raiders Thankfully, they didn't have to uh, let him go with any dead money, and it's looking better for them. I mean, I didn't expect, for the three reasons that you mentioned in the article I wrote, I didn't really expect him to be traded for this cheaply. At first, I thought the cost would have been a little high, since the Steelers were eating so much dead money. But the toxic one and him just being selfish and the drama, that was the one that was my last and final driving point. And look, it managed. We thought it would be better with the new team. People, They tried supporting him. They gave him his money. And you know what? He just wasn't happy or grateful for it. And at the end of the day, it was just all about him. Yep, you're right about that. Now, I do want to get back to you. You made some comments about Gruden. And, and again, I follow you on Twitter. Um, and I saw some of the tweets that you've been putting out. You, you really seem frustrated with Gruden um, and, and his role in all of this. So what can you tell me? Can you kind of expand about that a little bit more and tell the listeners, you know, what your feelings are about Gruden's role in all of this? Well, yeah, the thing about with Gruden and not just him in general, but head coaches who have so much power and control over personnel decisions on a football team hardly ever work out. There's a reason why 
Bill Belichick, New England Patriots, the only ones that do it. And team fans, everyone can just compare. Well, they need to be like them. Well, there's there's only one New England Patriots. There's only one Bill Belichick. You can't have such high standards for that and just think it's going to be easy for anyone to replicate. John Gruden is a lousy talent evaluator. Not just that, when he's evaluating a person, even if he is evaluating talent on point, he's just looking at what they're doing on Sundays. He didn't look, he didn't care about what Antonio Brown brought on a day-to-day basis. It was just Sundays. And that's why he wasn't really totally, totally freaking out about Antonio Brown missing practice. And now, look, he's eating crow. He almost went as far as to just throw – I'm not going to say throw him under the bus, but almost went as far as to, oh, let Mike Mayock be the punching bag just so he can keep this guy, just so he can save face. And he still tries to say Mike Mayock is the one that's making most of these calls when it's not. You're not paying John Gruden $100 million to just, <laughs> to just call plays on Sundays. You know, he's just not a good talent evaluator. He's great. I will say this about him and try to put a positive note. I like him for coaching on the game day. He's great at that. And I think he still has some rough edges, but overall he's he's great. He's the better play caller that the Raiders have seen in recent memory. But personality decision, I feel like now he has to loosen his grip on that and try to at least give Mac Mayock more say, more idea, because at least for one thing, they're on the same page. But John Gruden, man, personnel decision. He needs to take this on the chin again. We already know about Mac. That was terrible. And now the Steelers have finessed Gruden in two trades with Martavis Bryant and Antonio Brown. Yep, yep, you're right, you're right. Um, you also seem to be voicing your displeasure with Raider fans who supported or, I guess, maybe chose to ignore AB's antics. I want to make it clear to you, I agree with you 100% on this. I was... Um, criticized heavily on Twitter back in August when the helmet stuff all came out and you know I I went out and said cut them right then and there I said cut them don't don't deal with it because again in my opinion in my eyes Antonio Brown has a track record of this kind of behavior and for him to um not even step on the field yet for the Raiders and to already be kind of showing this type of behavior again, to me, it was like, just don't even deal with it. Just cut them. And I got, and I got criticized. Um, and, and I, you know, some of those same people who were, who were killing me on Twitter were those people that were supporting him. Um, you know, were then calling for his head this week, but you know, they look pretty foolish now, you know, and I, and I think from what I read on your Twitter, you feel the same way. What, what do you want to say to those fans? I mean, what is – the thing about Raider Nation is, of course, we all know they're such a passionate and loyal fan base. But because of that, it, it creates and kind of makes its own delusion where teams – where not teams, fans become conditioning themselves, hypnotizing themselves, brainwashing, if you will, to just think everything is okay. It's like the little meme with the dog in the kitchen or the living room with his coffee and everything's on fire saying, this is fine. You know, <laughs> like, this is all right. This is, this is natural, normal, when really it's not. But in this case, I didn't understand why so many fans, especially some headliner fans, if I might say, get into with so many of these Steeler fans who have been, who were just trolling us, trolling the other fans, getting trying to get a reaction when clearly these Steeler fans have had a B in their ranks 
for years. They know what kind of player, what kind of person he is. We don't just because we see on a national stage. The same way while we criticize the national media about they don't know these players, we pretty much just said, oh, it doesn't matter. You Steelers fans don't know anything. When really that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing when Raider Nation says to national media. So it's kind of like hypocritical. There's so many double, triple, quadruple standards, you know, the same way they treat with Amari Cooper and stuff like that. I mean, first things first, of course, everyone's entitled to how they feel and their opinion. It's fine. It's good the way you feel. But that doesn't mean you should be insanely naive to what it is that's on the playing field right now and what reality is. All right? So with Antonio Brown, you know, it's like he didn't even take a snap and so many people were just so in love with him. I, I myself was excited to see him on Sundays. That's why once again, like once the trade happened, it's like, all right, it wasn't so much given up. He's going to make Derek Carr and his offense so much better. Let's just focus on that, even though I didn't want them to trade for it. But luckily, it wasn't for a first-rounder. You know, the contract wasn't even that bad. So let's just make do with it. But then once the drama rolls in and the constant defending, like, oh, it's just a helmet. It's not a big deal. When, eh, you know, when he's the only one in the NFL doing so, it is a big deal. You know, it's not controversial, of course. It's, it's nothing worse, like, you know, like what freaking Tyree Kill did and others do when they're – obscene time outside of work but you know it's still a distraction it's still something that's like out of pocket and just it just continued to prove fruitful with everything he did week and week yeah i I think you're spot on i agree with you 100 percent i just have one last question for you um obviously you know there's gonna be a lack of production there or, or a loss of production, I, I should say, if Antonio Brown's not out there in the field. Where do the Raiders turn or who do they turn to you know, to make up for some of that production um, that would have come from Antonio Brown? Well, now there's, you know, Evan, of course, you, you know, you're, you're very sound with how you do in your analytical takes and everything. It's just, at this point, you, they just have to really spread it out. I mean, John Gruden himself, I know I don't really take what he says at face value or everything he says in his press conference with a grain of salt. He said, well, there's not one person. Is this offense. We're going to spread it out. When which It's like now you have no choice. Now you have to spread it out. I mean, of course, that's the ideal thing. It's not like they were going to A-B every single play, but that's – now it's like, yeah, you have no other options. You don't have a clear-cut dominant player on that offense. I mean, Derek Carr does have so much more talent this year than last year, and hopefully the offensive line can get that pass protection together and Colton Miller develops into a sufficient enough at least pass protector, which is that's still the number one key, regardless if Antonio Brown was there or not. We're, we're still questionable about that. But let's just say for this sake, oh, okay, the offensive line – is sufficient enough, pretty good pass pro, then, you know, they have to get creative. It's going to be on Gruden now to try to get these guys open and try to allow them with their own plays to just win off talent and try to just, you know, scheme around them. You know, Josh Jacobs is going to be huge. Jalen Rashard, DeAndre Washington, Darren Waller is now probably going to have to uplift himself and try to carve himself into a dominant player. But the fact that I have to keep saying, oh, now each of these players have to do something when really we have already had them capped at a certain level the fact that i need to keep reaching out and just saying oh let's hope let's hope let's hope it's just indicative of this offense it's a cool offense but they're not going to be that great now you know antonio brown was going to impact with production and he was going to alleviate pressure off tyrell and the rest of the running game 
But now at this point, you know, the defense itself wasn't going to be that great. I thought it was the offense that was going to be the greatest asset. But at this point, it's it's a tough to see a good season from these guys. And I had them pegged to seven and nine. At this point, now I'm looking at like shoot five and eleven, four and twelve. You know, it's it's, it's tough at this. Uh, um, it's tough to say at this point. But, man, tough watch for us guys now. <laughs> well, I, I agree with you there on the record. Uh, I had him around 6-10 and 10 before Brown. Without Brown, eh, I think he's definitely worth at least a win or two. So I, I could see them going 5-11 and 11 or possibly even 4-12 uh, and 12 again. But the good news is, there is some good news. Hey, we can put this to bed and we can finally start talking mm-hmm. about some actual football uh, Raiders play Denver Monday night. Don't forget that. Jose, I want to thank you again for giving me some of your time and hopping on with me. And I also want to, again, I want to plug your your podcast. Uh, check it out. Uh, that's the Fly Sweet Podcast. Also, I want I encourage you to check out some of Jose's work on Just Blog Baby. Um, I'm a former Just Blog Baby guy myself, so um, I, I appreciate everyone there and all the work they do. Uh, Jose, thank you again. Appreciate you, Evan. Keep doing what you're doing, man. All right, so that was my first spot there with Jose Sanchez from Just Blog Baby. Um, I do feel a lot better about the situation after talking with Jose, but I do want to bring on my next guest, uh, and that is Nick Jeltness, uh, who is a former uh, site expert at Just Blog Baby, and also he was a creator and uh, chief editor at his own site, Only One Nation. On the line with me is Nick Jeltness, former site expert at Just Blog Baby. Uh, he also created his own website and ran that for a while, Only One Nation, which I'm sure many of you uh, do remember. Uh, Nick is also a big-time Raider fan and, and just an all-around good guy. And I, I really, uh, someone I, I greatly respect his opinion when it comes to Raiders football especially. Nick, it's been a long time, no talk. How you doing, man? Yeah, hey, buddy, thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate it. Glad to see you uh spreading your wings out here and, and doing your thing with the podcast. I saw your little, your little shout, shout out on, uh, on hard knocks, dude. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a shocker. I was quite surprised when, when they reached out to me and, and asked me permission to use the audio. So that I was pretty pumped up about that. What'd you say? You were like, hell yeah. 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 They, uh, they DM me on, on Twitter and to be honest with you, I thought it was a joke. I, I, I was, oh, yeah. um, I didn't even tell anybody. I didn't tell any of my friends or anything because I, I felt like th- this isn't real. I, I, I didn't even believe it up until I actually saw it and, or, or heard it, I should say, <laughs> myself. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah we, when we were. I, when I saw pumped. it, I was like, oh shit, Evan Grote. I know that dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty cool stuff. But, um, now, now, those of you who, who may not know, when, when I decided to get into the world of, of blogging um, a couple years ago, I, I started out at, at Just Blog Baby, and it was Nick who was, at the time, was running the site, and he was doing a damn good job of it, um, if you ask me, and um, Nick was great to work for, and he, you know, he was always very helpful to me. Anytime I had questions uh, about anything, you know, he was he was there to answer. And anytime my work needed to be edited or, or you know needed some work, he he was very respectful and, and you know honest with me about you know how he felt you know it could improve. So I I do appreciate you for that, Nick, and and I do want to uh, credit you for. Um, me still doing this today because really if, if, if I had had a bad experience in, the, in, in my first time trying it, um, I, I probably wouldn't have kept with it. So I do want to thank you for that. And, and I also hope that, you know, I hope that soon you do get the itch 
to write again. Um, and I hope that <laughs> yeah, I can. I might just gotta try to find the time. But yeah, yeah, I appreciate yeah. That. No, and, and I hope that we can get you maybe over to Silver and Black Pride sometime. But um, anyhow, that that's for another time. Nick, I, I do want to get your thoughts on on all this uh, AB drama. I feel like we could all use a little group therapy. Um, the first thing I want to ask you is if you could, and I know this is going to be difficult, if you could try put into words what it's like, uh, what it's been like for you, let's say the last five or six weeks, you know, since, since the time training camp has begun, uh, what's it been like to be a Raiders fan for you? Yeah, you say five or six weeks and it feels like it's been five or six years. So I guess that's the best way to probably sum up what it's been like the the final stretch of the off season here. I, I tweeted earlier today, actually something similar that uh, this has been the longest off season I can remember. It, it feels like Antonio Brown's, been on the Raiders for six years and he just ended his tenure on an ugly note so I mean that's really the best way to describe it is just how long it's been just with with all of the drama I mean this Antonio Brown drama has taken five or six turns in the last five or six days and it just it feels like it's been dragging on forever and it really hasn't even been that long um so definitely a, a, a bizarre roller coaster um I know personally, I've been confused, frustrated, amused, embarrassed, like just pretty much all of the emotions, depending on what the story was that day involving Antonio Brown. So I think a lot of people probably would say similar things. And today has been kind of a mix of uh, frustration and also just relief that I think it's finally over and the team can move on and we can finally see them on the field and see what the final product is going to be. So yeah, it's been it's been a roller coaster. It's definitely been the, the best way to describe it. Now, throughout this, throughout training camp and during all of the, this, I guess we'll call it the Antonio Brown saga here, the last several weeks, um, there were people out there who were, who were saying that they felt that Brown never really or, or doesn't want to play football anymore. Um, and and I was kind of in the belief that that this that can't be true. The the guy is too passionate about the game. He he works too hard. Um, to be great and those types of things. Um, but, you know, after seeing how things have played out, I'm starting to think differently about that. Do you believe A.B. ever wanted, um, first of all, does does he want to play football and did he ever really want to be a Raider, do you think? Well, I would say to try to even guess what's on that guy's mind is, is uh, quite the endeavor in itself just because of how unpredictable it seems he's, he's been um, just with everything that's happened. So I don't know. I really, I really can't say. I mean, I, I guess I would want to say that he did want to be a Raider and he was bought in here when he, uh, when he was here, but at the same time, you can also look at some of the evidence with him disappearing from camp with the helmet stuff. I um, mean, the foot stuff I think was all excused. You can't practice with the condition he was in, but um, with some of the, the fines that we caught uh, caught wind of that he was not happy about. I mean, maybe he, maybe he wasn't bought in. So, um, you know, it's hard hard to say now. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I guess that's all I can really say on the matter. Now, what was your first reaction when you heard today that uh, Brown had officially been released by the Raiders? Um, I kind of just chuckled to myself and just laughed like, wow, like, I, I I was in shock. Like I was was at the point where I was like, I I can't believe like this is it. This is what happened. Everything was just a waste. And and I think my first thought was the third and the fifth round picks that the team traded to get them. 
Um, just because the stage that the Raiders are in, rebuilding, all those picks are valuable and, and they need those assets. So it, was, it was just felt like it was a complete waste to to do that and not even get one snap out of the guy. Um, but then after that, I realized they voided all the guaranteed money and, and never paid him anything. And they've got money freed up now. They can roll over to next year and probably not going to be the most competitive team. Maybe they could replace him next year with the, you know, first round pick wide receiver. So, I mean, I was kind of all over the place. Um, relieved a little bit as well, just because the last week or so nonstop drama, um, dealing with the situation, trying to guess what's going to happen. Um, so I think it was just finally nice to have a, a conclusion to the, to the entire saga as well. Yeah. It's, it's good to know that tomorrow morning when you wake up, you're not going to have some update on your phone about Antonio Brown because <laughs> it seemed like that was the yeah, case exactly. the last five weeks. <laughs> for finally, actually, for the first time today, I, I, w- I wake up at like five o'clock, five o'clock in the morning every day for work. So even on weekends, I, I barely will sleep in maybe until six or six thirty if I'm lucky. Today, I was lucky to wake up at like seven fifteen a.m. or something. And I looked at my phone and I just had all these updates about <laughs> Antonio Brown's been released. And I was like, man, I can't even go to sleep and wake up without another twist in the saga. So that's the news that I was waking up to, you know, when I open, trying to scroll through my Twitter account, figuring out what happened. Right, right. Now, what's your what's your opinion on, on how Gruden and Mayock handled this situation from the start? Um, you know, I, I was kind of critical personally. I Back in August, I, you know, had an emotional tweet that I put out when all the helmet stuff went down saying that they should just cut them right then oh, yeah. and there. Um, yeah. You know, do you think that there's and, things and that... you were right, right? Yeah, I mean, I'll admit, I was, it, was, <laughs> it was emotional when I made that comment. But to me, you know, yeah. he, he just has a track record. And I just felt, how can a guy who's coming over from a, you know, from a situation where it ended badly not, you know, do everything he can in his power to, to make a good impression with his team? And, and to me, it was like... If he's doing this stuff now, it's never going to work out, and that's why I put that tweet out there. But, and you know, do you think that there's things that maybe the Raiders could have done differently to avoid this from happening, or was it really just Brown just willing to sabotage his own career? Yeah, to touch on the, the Gruden and Mayock thing real real quick, I mean, that's kind of part of the debate that I've been seeing today with some people about um, the drama that AB had ending his tenure in Pittsburgh where he posted, I think it was a video of the Steelers locker room after a game and one of Tomlin's speeches and his fallout with Roethlisberger and him forcing his way out of there. Dying his mustache blonde was a crazy thing. Um, so they decided to trade for him amidst that drama. So it's kind of like you knew what you were signing up for. You knew what the risk was and it blew up in their faces. So I've, I've seen that part of the debate happen um, with some people too, trying to blame Gruden and Mayock. And, and, and I think they're right to an extent. I mean, the risk, the reward, you got to weigh that and, and decide um, if it's worth it or not. And, um, you know, just happened to, to blow up in their faces. But on the, on the surface, um, based on what we know and how it was handled in the media, I do think that Gruden and Mayock seem to do everything that they could have done to diffuse the situation. But I mean, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. We only know what gets put out there in the media, but it does seem like they supported him throughout the helmet stuff, throughout the foot stuff. Um, The fines I think were necessary. I mean, I I tweeted out that I applauded Mayock for holding a superstar player accountable at the same level that they would hold the last guy on the roster to. I mean, that's how you create a culture. So I don't, I don't blame them for, 
finding him. I mean, that's that's the the standard you're trying to set. You know, if you miss work, you're fined accordingly. And just with Antonio in particular, um, his personality led to uh, to bigger issues. So um, in in most situations and, and with most of what we know, I don't I don't blame Gruden and, and Mayock for how things blew up. Now we all know Gruden. He's 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 very quick to look past um, players with off the field issues, and and I I think it's safe to say mm-hmm. that we all know that you know when this trade all went down, you know Gruden was definitely the the motivating factor or person behind it. I should say, I, I think Mayock yeah. is much more of a calculated person, much more cautious and. If you look at some of the trades that have been made now under Gruden's watch, it's it's hard not to question some of these decisions. Say what you want about the trade of Khalil Mack. Yes, they did get some draft picks for that, and, and it's it's still too early to to say you know who won and lost that trade. But the, uh, the, he brought in Martavius Bryant, Antonio Brown. Now yeah. both both of which you said have, have blown up in his face. Do you think Gruden now will maybe? realize that he needs to relinquish some of this control when it comes to personnel decisions. He does have a smart GM there that he handpicked and Mike Mayock. What do you think about that? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think he's going to relinquish any control whatsoever. Um, I just don't think that's in his, in his DNA. I mean, to an extent, I think a lot of these coaches, team owners, general managers, players, I mean, they've all got, you know, an ego of some kind. And I just think he just believes um, that he knows what's right. Some things are going to work out. Some things aren't. Um, and I just don't see him relinquishing any of his, uh, any of his powers. I, I think the track record shows during his brief time with the Raiders and the time that he had personnel control in Tampa Bay, that he's pretty bad, um, on, on this side of things. Um, so I do wish that he would try to give some more, uh, more control to, to Mayock when it comes to, to trades, draft picks, reagents, and, and, um, you know, maybe they are going to work more in tandem. I mean, the, all the reports that we saw were that they, you know, were working well together in the off season, and hopefully that's true. But I mean, at the end of the day, this is the John Gruden show. He's going to have the final decision on everything that happens with that roster. So, nothing that has happened um, in the past, and nothing that happened with this Antonio Brown situation, you know, didn't go down without his approval. Whether it was the fines and the letter that got approved, the decision not to suspend him initially the decision to ultimately release him. I mean, that all falls on him and I just don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Um, and I mean, for as long as he's here, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, I just got one more question for you here. Um, you know, this, this no doubt had, had to have been a distraction. I don't care how much coaches and players say that, you know, it wasn't, um, what, what kind of effect do you, do you think this, this all has going forward, if any, um, on, on this team in 2019? I think they'll be able to put the drama behind them. I mean, for the first couple of weeks, so they'll probably have to deal with questions about it um, in post game or at practice and stuff. And, and that'll fizzle out eventually. Um, so I think they'll be able to put that part behind them. I think the tough part will be something that Vic Tafer mentioned on his Twitter. Um, what I'm curious to monitor is uh, he, he said that the playbook was built around Antonio. So to, rehaul the offense so quickly i mean are they going to have to do that rehaul the offense i mean you can't just replace antonio brown as much as i like hunter renfro plugging him in there and do the same exact stuff so you know how much are they going to change the offense if any um are they going to be not as big of a threat downfield you know so it's it's i'm most curious to know how the offense changes if at all uh, without him 
Um, so that's that's the one thing I'm going to monitor. Yeah, I also saw that tweet. That's a that's a great point you bring up there. I mean, yeah, you, you game plan, you you plan to have this guy in your offense all all off season, and now he's not there two days before the game. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Nick, that's all I got for you. You know, thanks for jumping on with me. I know I got I uh, asked you to do this last minute. Um, you know, times like this, we got to stick together, Raider Nation. Um, but we'll we'll get through it, man. Um, winning will help everything. We come out with a big win on Monday night and. You know, it'll help us forget about this, that's for sure. Um, but I do appreciate you hopping on, and, uh, you know, I'll be in touch with you. Take care, Nick. Yeah, you got it, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No problem. And that was my buddy Nick Jeltness giving us a few of his thoughts on all this Antonio Brown uh, drama. Uh, be sure to go out and give both Nick and Jose a follow out there on Twitter for me, please. Uh, when we return from this quick break, uh, I'll be joined by my final guest, uh, Scott Gilbranson of the Silver and Black Today radio show. My next guest is Scott Gilbranson, host of the Silver and Black Today, which can be heard every Sunday morning from 8 to 10 a.m. Pacific time on CBS Sports Radio, 1140 a.m. Uh, I encourage you also to go out there and follow Scott on Twitter at LVGully. Uh, Scott, I appreciate you taking some time out to join me tonight. Uh, and I also want to congratulate you uh, for also having some of your audio from your radio show uh, used in in part of the finale of Hard Knocks last week. Yes, no, that was very cool, wasn't it? It was great to hear you there as well. Mitchell Renz was there. I mean, it was it was uh, it was surprising and and got the phone call. It was uh, obviously nice to be a part of the show and. Of course, the last 72 hours have been a whirlwind, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun talking about that for the next few days, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, although I'm kind of sick of it, uh, f- to be honest with you, <laughs> I- I'm almost uh, I-, I feel the same as as many in Raider Nation. I'm almost relieved to see this thing finally end, um, so we can kind of finally put this to bed. But um, you know, personally, I'm I'm kind of still at a loss for words. Um, I've been trying to, you know, my wife asked me, you know, what are you going to say on the podcast tonight about, about all this? And I, and I told her, I don't really know yet. And, um, you know, I, I want to hear you, you know, try to explain, you know, what it is that you're feeling kind of at this moment, where, where do you stand with the decision that was made to part ways with Antonio Brown? Well, first I, I, I would say that, um, it, it's the decision they made, I think was the right decision. What led us up to that decision was was certainly an interesting roller coaster ride. You know, I go back and I've been saying it for the last several days that I was, if you listen to recordings of our show, I, I defended Antonio Brown with his helmet grievance because you know what? He went through the process. I know it was frustrating for fans because he wasn't out on the field. I'm sure it was frustrating now as we, we know, heard from his at least former teammates. Uh, and but I, but I supported it because he was going through the process. I thought the way the radio radio organization supported him too was pretty remarkable. And I know people were getting upset about it. But as someone who's managed larger teams of people in my in my business career and in, in my life, you know you can't manage the same people all the same way. We tend to think, I think, as as uh, observers, as media, as fans, to think well everybody should play under the same rules. And yes, there are certain rules everybody should play under. But when you have a specific talent who might be a different guy, let's face it, Antonio Brown is a different cat. And the way they handled that situation, including his injury, I thought was pretty good of the Raiders. And I thought that the Mike Mayock, John Gruden, as we've now come to call it, good cop, bad cop, was the right way because it 
and it, it was echoed to Steve Mariucci on NFL Network said, hey, listen, I handled it wrong with T.O. I should have let my general manager do what John Gruden did with Antonio Brown. Then I could have kept my relationship with the player and maybe we could have worked it out and it would have been better. So for me, the process, it got exhausting at the end when, when Antonio Brown started acting, I think, really irrational around things. But up until that point, I was on board. Then over the last, of course, tail end of this week, um, I think I was where a lot of people were, which is like, okay, now this team needs to focus on getting better. It was 4-12 and 12 last year, Evan. This year, it's got to improve. And then, of course, next year, it's moving here to Las Vegas. They need to show an upswing that they're improving. They've remade the roster. So for me, it was, it was okay, that's enough. I think most rational people, no matter how much they know, Antonio Brown could have been an amazing piece to this offensive team for, for the Oakland Raiders this year. It was just enough. And people just wanted to talk about football. And, of course, he wouldn't let it happen. Yeah, now, just before I began recording with you, I was you know, I was on Twitter doing some reading, and, and people are actually starting to believe, or at least starting to, to make the comment, that they think this was all part of a, a grander plan by, that, by Brown to, to you know, get away from the Raiders and, and that he really wanted to be you know, with a team like the Patriots from the start. Now, I think they're just giving him far too much credit, and I think they're looking far too <laughs> much into it. But what do you think? Was Brown ever really all in? Did he ever really buy in to being a Raider? Well, let's look at his own words and look at his own actions, because I think at the end of the day, Evan, you have to look at actions, not words, especially with someone like Antonio Brown, who has repeatedly proven that he doesn't always necessarily tell the full truth. I'm not calling him a liar per se. What I'm saying is that he conveniently leaves things out. He seems to live in his own reality. And if we look back at the divorce in Pittsburgh, what happened there, all the Twitter battles he's had with uh, Juju Schuster-Smith, he's had with Ben Roethlisberger, all that stuff that was said, you know, suddenly Antonio Brown, well, I was never his friend. I was just using him to get ahead in my career. Okay, so if that's what you said about their time in Pittsburgh – then it lends credibility to the thought, well, geez, was there some forethought here? Did he reach a point maybe after the foot thing and then the helmet thing and then Mike Mayock coming out and saying, look, you're either all in or all out. At that point, did he maybe say, okay, I'm not in. I don't, I don't want to be around these guys anymore if they're going to treat me this way. And that's what he decided. It's hard to know when he decided that Oakland and the Raider organization and John Gruden and Mike Mayock weren't going to be the team for him. Um, but it's, it's interesting. When things go wrong, people want to find reasons. But when you're dealing with an irrational person like you, I think Antonio Brown has been, then you start to look. Now, could his agent have done some of it? Who knows? I think there's some um, credibility to it, at least at the very end. I think over the last, especially 48 hours, I think there has been. I think his apology followed by the fine letter, followed by the video released last night on, um, on, on Friday night. That in itself, to me, I said it last night, look, he doesn't want to play football. And I was wrong. He doesn't want to play football with the Raiders was what I should have said. But um, at the end of the day, who knows, right? Antonio Brown has proven over and over again, Evan, that he's not reliable, that he's not very mature. He's a great athlete. And guess what? In our society today, if you're a great athlete, you can beat women, you can beat children, and you can screw your team and still get another big contract. 
Yeah, yeah, great, great points to make there. Uh, how much of this is to blame on Gruden? I mean, everything you just said, we knew Brown wasn't a choir boy from his time in Pittsburgh. Uh, he knew there was risk involved. He gave up the third round pick and the fifth round pick uh, for a team that's in rebuilding mode. And those picks are like gold to a team like this. And at the end of the day, uh, Brown's not, you know, he's not ever going to play a snap for the team. So do we let Gruden off the hook for that or or just chalk this up to it was a, a high risk, high reward move that just didn't pan out in the end? I, I think there's a little bit of both. So I, I'm not saying Gruden deserves a pass by any means because at the end of the day, the elephant in the room is Gruden runs the organization now. Okay, Mike Mayock, I, I have a lot of respect for Mike Mayock, and I think he is his own guy when he can be. I thought we saw that over the last couple of days. Uh, Gruden didn't always seemingly out front back him up on that. But to me, yeah, he, he shares some of the blame, right, because he, he gave up those picks. I think the risk at the time, what they were trying to do uh, and get that offense moving, having moved on from Amari Cooper and having some question marks there, I thought it was worth, and when the trade happened, I thought the risk was definitely worth it. The third round, the fifth round pick, they still have picks. I, I still think there's other things they could do to probably acquire picks as well, depending on how the year goes. But, yes, I mean, Gruden deserves some of that. I think I, I do think, though, and I know some people disagree with me on this, I do think that Gruden kind of backing up his player almost until the very end um, was the right move. I really believe that that helped the situation. It doesn't seem like it because the guy's gone now, but he did that till the end. And then I'm telling you that video last night, when I saw that, I was like, okay, this guy's throwing his coach under the bus. There's no way, even the comments about Gruden saying that he, he liked the video, I don't necessarily buy that. And if he did say that, he knew it, he knew they were going to cut him loose anyway. This is kind of the view I have of it. But, um, no, I mean, let's face it, Gruden's the head of this, this franchise. And if they win or lose, or if, if they have another terrible season, let's say if they win three or four games, um, the responsibility is all lies in his feet. There's no question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the other 52 guys that are on the roster now have to kind of pick up the pieces here. How do you think this affects the Raiders going forward? On one hand, yes, they have been without Brown most of training camp, so it's not as if – you know, uh, they haven't practiced without him and whatnot. On the other hand, the offense has been designed around him being the centerpiece for the last several months. So, so how does this affect the team on the field? That's that's the the question that we find out uh, on Monday night, right? I think that is a big question, Evan. You hit it right on the head, which is how do you adjust from this? You can say you were you were you were playing without him anyway. He wasn't there. But the reality is the playbook was designed with Antonio Brown in mind, and so now you have to adjust that. So now you have to have Terrell Williams become that number one receiver. Can he do it? I think he can, but that's where I think you see some pressure now is ratcheted up. Williams, who's going to be the two, is now at the one. And then you have, of course, J.J. Nelson. You're going to need more contribution from him. And Hunter Renfro, who we all like and think he's going to be a talented NFL receiver in the slot, he's a guy, too, that's going to have to do more. And then Josh Jacobs, right? Are you, going to have to, are you going to have to do some more of those swing out passes to Josh Jacobs if you don't have it down the field? So to me, you know, everything, and I talked to some people up there today in Oakland because I was really trying to find out what's the impact of the locker room. Because did Gruden, in his, in his desire to back up Antonio Brown up until yesterday and say that he was going to play on Monday night, did that in any way uh, lose parts of the locker room? Did it, did it diminish confidence? And from all the folks that I talked to, and I talked to three of them that, that have knowledge of that, 
they all said no, actually, for the most part, it helped um, because these guys are ready. They're, they're ready to go out there. They loved Antonio as a guy and hanging around him, but they also felt like it was becoming a distraction for them and they wanted to focus on it. So in many ways, and you saw Jonathan Abrams tweet out, right, that, uh, that attention is, is a bad drug, basically. Um, so I, I think these guys are all relieved because now they can just focus on football. They don't have to worry about all the other drama that's happening outside, even if they like AB as an individual. So, uh, but, but I really believe Monday night's going to be a huge, huge test. It was already. You know, that, to me, it's going to be an amazing environment. That last home opener in Oakland is going to be very emotional for fans, for players, for the organization, and, and for the city of Oakland. So it was already a big game. It's against Denver. Now, with what's happened, the Raiders, I believe, really need to have, to have a good performance, go out there and show that they can do it without them. Uh, and so I think we'll learn a lot come Monday night. Scott, one last thing I have for you. Um... I would like to get a, a win-loss prediction for you, uh, uh, from you, I should say. Um, and I'm sure it's changed a little bit since since the release of Brown. But but what do you have? Uh, 2019 Oakland Raiders win-loss pred- prediction, what do you got? So I had them, and, and I, I'll happy to share because I've shared it on the radio show as well. Um, I bet money on the under, which in Vegas was at 6.5 back in June when I bet it. It's now at 6 um, because I really thought they would be a 6-10 team. Not because I think... They talent-wise, with Antonio Brown, we're going to be a six and ten team. I felt the schedule and all that stuff was so brutal that that it was going to be hard for them to do that, especially with those eight weeks on the road. So with Brown gone now, I, I still believe that that they can they can get to five wins, but I could see them winning four again. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna be optimistic, uh, Evan, and I'll I'll go five and eleven. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I was thinking six and ten with Brown. Without Brown, I think he he accounts for at least a, a win or two. So, uh, anyhow, Scott, uh, I that's all I have for you. I, I do appreciate you uh, again hopping on with me on such short notice. I do want to plug your your radio show one more time. Don't forget, uh, Silver and Black today Sunday mornings eight to ten CBS Sports Radio eleven forty a.m. Uh, I also want to say, hey, congratulations to you guys. You just picked up a great great guy on your on your team there, Mo Moten. He's one of my favorites. Um, he's going to do great things for you there, and I know you're well aware of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I appreciate it, Evan. And, and for those Raiders fans, because Raider Nation is international and, of course, nationwide here in the United States, if you want to listen to our show on Sundays, too, you can listen to it on the radio.com app on your phone, on your computer. Uh, that's streamed live as well. So if you're outside Las Vegas, you can listen to it there. And, and man, I'm a fan of yours. I love what you do. You do a great job. And, again, thanks for having me on. No problem. Keep up the good work, Scott, and, and we'll be in touch. I would like to one more time thank all three of our guests tonight, uh, Jose, Nick, and Scott. Uh, I do appreciate you guys uh, joining me on such short notice. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Just Pod Baby. Um, I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in and listening. Um, It's time to move on, folks. This is the last you'll hear of Antonio Brown on this podcast. I can promise you that. Um, The Raiders have a big game this week, Monday Night Football against division rival the Denver Broncos, and I hope we have a big victory to celebrate next week on the podcast. Uh, Just a heads up, I am considering um, the idea of recording a post-game podcast. We'll see, maybe just something real brief to get some thoughts out there, Uh, some key plays, maybe uh, players that played well, things like that. 
um, but I don't want to promise you anything, so so just stay tuned for that. If not, you can definitely expect to hear me on my normal time next weekend. There's only one thing left to do now. Just win, baby. I hope everyone has a great week, and go Raiders! Raiders!